Tuesday, we are recording a quick uh, Atlanta preview. Uh, the game is tomorrow night at 7 p.m. at Cool Ray Field in uh, north of Atlanta. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben. How are you, Dan? I'm doing good. I am caffeinated to a T, and um, yeah. Yeah, I saw you were, had all the coffee. Mm-hmm. It's been a little while since I've had three cups of coffee after five o'clock, so I may. Uh, yeah, you're gonna I be up all night. Yeah, Should have saved it for tomorrow. For, for that's the, a good point. For the tifo I, painting. Yeah, I just realized we're doing a tifo painting. Um, but speaking of news, there is a new Jack's Militia scarf. What does it have on it, Alex? It has the lyrics to "Truly, Madly, Deeply." Every single word. Well, not every word. Thanks. I think it's just the first, first, second verse in the chorus. Oh, but I'm that's sorry. all we usually sing. That's true. So that's I, good... I've, I've already pre-ordered mine because I got like the the package with the that came with the scarf. So nice. I'm excited for that one. I, that's a, you yeah. know it's silly, but it's our thing, and I like it. You know, you need things that are your thing. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be cool when there's you know a bunch of us singing it several years from now. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's maybe no, it's stupid, but it is. It's, it's our stupid. Um, it, it, so go. get it's so get stupid. your stupid scarf. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you stupid fans, get your stupid scarf. <laughs> this is a glowing endorsement. Um, Gary's gonna love this. Um, but yeah, uh, we were uh, commissioned by Jason to uh, make a prediction for lineups. Um, what we think we'll see and what we we'll probably get i suppose um what are your thoughts alex yeah i'm not really sure what to expect like we were saying on the last pod i think we'll probably try to keep it as strong as possible to get the Mm -hmm. three points while also trying to save some of our stronger more senior players for saturday's game which is potentially more important in the playoff race Mm -hmm. uh because you know if we if we only can pull out a draw against Atlanta on the road. It's not as bad, maybe as losing at home to Charleston. If that makes sense. Exactly. No, it is also in the the Southern Derby. This one counts for the Southern Derby. It does. It? I'm, yeah. I'm a little worried just because we're still not full strength. You know, we've got Kai Vosser just picked up an injury. We believe, uh, mm-hmm. he probably won't be available. I would imagine if he had to come off early, then he's probably not gonna be available. Um, yeah for tomorrow's game which i don't think he fits that game anyways so i think it's okay like that being on a smaller field and we talked about this a bit in our interview the field's not as small as some of the other baseball fields that we play Mm -hmm. on in usl but it's still smaller and foster is a person who thrives on playing longer passes he he Mm -hmm. utilizes space really well uh, yep. So space is not going to be as available on the smaller field. So maybe it's okay that he's not going to be available for this match. Yeah. Presumably. I would agree with that. I think we'll probably, maybe not necessarily rest him, but save him for the, for the Charleston game. Yeah. If, if we can get him fit for Charleston, I think that's a much more important. I think he has much more of a role to play in that game. If he can get fit for it. Oh yeah, absolutely. But yeah, as uh, far as the rest of the team lines up, I, I think we might see, a different center center back pairing after 
last week, I think we may see Duckett and Kalinji, uh back Reed? together. A double change. I think so. I think, hmm. may, you know, I could be wrong, but they both center backs look tired, especially at the end of that match on Saturday. And, hmm. you know, Duckett and Kalinji were both on the bench. They, we know what they give us. They're solid. Uh, Bilal Duckett's our captain. He's going back to his hometown. He's probably going to have friends and family in the stands. Kevon George as well. I imagine he'll be in the lineup. Uh, he is a really important defender in terms of protecting those back the back four. So I think we'll see a back four of Sam Vines, uh, Kalunji, Duckett, and Johnson. Although... If we had to replace anybody or rest anybody in this game, it would probably be Johnson because he's on the yellow card accumulation watch, so to speak. Is that the right yeah. terminology? Warning? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's on four yellow cards. So if he picks up one, yeah. then he will be out for uh, Saturday's game. So it's a matter of do you trust him to play the 90 minutes and not pick up a yellow card? Or do you maybe say let's put uh, – Jake Airman in at right back or yeah. maybe Javon Watson in at right back, or maybe you put Javon Watson at center back and duck it at right back. I know he hasn't played right back mm-hmm. in a long time, but he used to play right back. So, um, and I think even Kalunji has played right back at, in Charlotte at some point. So there's yeah. options t- on the bench to rest uh, Johnson. But if I, had to say what I wanted, I would want him in there and I would say just don't get it don't pick up a yellow. <laughs> so if you, yeah, yeah. you know it, it's almost inevitable that he's going to pick up a fifth yellow card before he goes five yard five games again without picking one up and getting one yeah. rescinded. Mm-hmm. Uh so it's just more of a matter of when than if. So it's I think it's safe to say. Yeah, so you just have to kind of manage that. And, that, and that's a tough call. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough call. But mm-hmm. uh, midfield, I would like to see George and Ekra, I think. Yeah. Ekra seemed uh, – he might be getting a little worn down, but I don't know with Foster and and Greg Jordan still presumably unavailable. Uh, that's pretty much our only option that you could put – uh, Richie Perez back there, but I think he plays much better in that number 10 role. Uh, seemed like he struggled to find the game a little bit as a deeper midfielder in the Open Cup match. Um, I mean, he wasn't the only one who struggled to find the match in that one. Uh, <laughs> but out wide, I think, is where you might see the changes. And this might be the the solution to the midfield problem is if, if Ekra needs a rest – then maybe you slide Alex into the center midfield next to Kevon George and then put yeah. Mwapi or Airman in Alex's place. And then see, I, I would I would like to rest Jorge as well. I would I would prefer to see mm-hmm. Zayed start up top, uh Richie Perez start at the number ten, and then see Mwapi and Airman play on the wings. Just go youth against youth. If there's ever if there's ever a game you're gonna play all the kids at once, this would be it, uh, because yeah. Atlanta's gonna be doing the same thing. So this is a great chance to rest some of the older players, not older, 
but just rest some of the more experienced Wide. players and the guys who play pretty much week in and week out and start the young guys, get some experience under their belt because you never know when somebody's going to go down with an injury, as we've seen all season long. These players might have an important role to play as the season progresses, so this is a really good opportunity to just heavily rotate the squad. That being said, I don't think we will do that. Uh, Coach Jeffries just doesn't like to make a lot of changes at once. Um, You can just look at, I think, last season, most of the rotation was one or two guys at a time, usually. And if we were already going to rotate some guys on the back line i just i don't know that he's going to rotate the entire front four as well and maybe maybe he shouldn't uh mm-hmm. but i think it's still early enough in the season where we can get those guys on the field and rest and maybe you bring jorge in off the bench if we're in trouble you can bring Cato off the bench if we're in trouble true so that that's my desired lineup is is front to back of uh maybe you even give Dystra a rest maybe you give Miller another game here in this one uh you give Miller Kalunji Duckett as the center backs Johnson at right back Vines at left back Kevon George Alex Martinez in the midfield uh Richie Perez at the 10 Zayed up top and then Airman and Nwapi on the wings that's my preferred lineup that's interesting. That's uh, I I'm super curious how it's gonna go because, like you kind of said, it, it could go a ton of different directions. I don't necessarily see that Jeffries is gonna make too many changes up top specifically. Yeah. Um, I would lean in the direction of seeing that Johnson will play in this game. <clears throat> yeah, that's a safe simply based safe on the fact that like you lean. said. I don't know. I'm not under the mentality that you can you can rest a player just in the hope that he de- you're gonna delay a yellow card suspension because and if it's gonna happen it's gonna happen. Um, I'd much in, much prefer it not to happen in this game and, and maybe rest him if you're gonna want to do that. Um, but he could be due for a rest as well. Um, I I think we'll definitely see Vines. Um, I would think we'll see Johnson as well. Um, the two center backs are super tricky because. If you rotate one of the center backs being taking Jungsu out or take Watson out and, and replace him with Duckett or Kalunji, you kind of have to do them either together like you've said or... Or not at all. Or not at all. There's always that option. Oh. But you kind of have to replace him with a similar piece being Jungsu and... I guess Kalunji would be a similar, more similar, and then Watson or Duckett, simply based on the fact that if you replace, if you if you replace one of those pieces differently, does this make any sense? Of what I'm trying to say. I know this is yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it does. You're you're okay, saying okay. that Jungsu and Kalunji are more similar than Duckett and Jungsu. Are yeah yeah yeah. So like ba- especially basically based on the bench, Kalunji is is Jungsu's backup. Is basically what you're trying to say. And vice versa. Precisely. Mm-hmm. Because when you look at depth, if you, let's say you have Jungsu and Kalunji, I suppose. They're too similar. Got too similar, exactly. And then you've got an issue where you may have to have Doom be a backup center back slash 
right back or left back. So it's a little bit of a curious situation to be in. Um, I would lean under the, I, I would think that we'll probably honestly swap out Duckett for Watson, give him a rest, um, have Jung Soo and Duckett in the set in, as the center backs. Um, the midfield is super tricky as well, obviously, um, because if, if Foster is healthy, I think you have to start a George Ekra Vosser triad there. Um, but I think we'll probably honestly see George and Ekra, um, see Herrera up top or at the, the 10, I suppose, the cam position. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'll see Zayed as well. I, I want to get see him get more playtime in, in this role um, because he did do pretty well, I think, when, when he came on against Charleston originally um, in that game is in a very short amount of time that he was on the pitch um, against them. And that was still really early on as well. Um, I think we'll also see Alex and Cato on the wings, um, but I wouldn't be opposed to seeing some, some shuffling there. I just don't think that we really will because correct me if I'm wrong, but when we saw that against ocean city, um, it just created chaos. It felt like, um, yeah, a little bit. And I, th- yeah, I can see that angle as well. I think the chaos in the ocean city game was more from the back line than it was anywhere else though. I will say that's fair. Yeah. Uh, but they we'll see. I, I, I definitely think Jeffries is going to lean more on the guys who were there week in and week out more often than not. Maybe he goes to the bench a little earlier or maybe he swaps out two guys, you know, so maybe we'll, we'll see, uh, like you said, maybe we'll see one of the center backs rotate and one of the front four rotate and nobody else. Um, we'll, we'll just see at it's a, it's a, it's tough to read him because we're kind of in a pickle with all the injuries anyway. Yeah. Lots so, of question marks. And rotation is something that we didn't do a whole lot of last season either. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, on it, it wouldn't surprise me if we didn't do a lot of it this season. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, something to look out for around six o'clock, six thirty when the lineup comes out. Mm-hmm. Although maybe if we're there early enough, they'll show us early. Hmm possibly we'll see but also before i forget um there is a jack's uh jack's Jack's house house. yeah jack's house watch party um at jack's house of course and jack's militia will both be there oh you'll be Ah, there fantastic yeah i will be there i will potentially be late but i am gonna plan on being there as close to kickoff as possible um or first pitch i guess you could call it (laughs) get it because it's a baseball field yeah, baseball references. Um, but yeah, should be a super fun game. Um, would be highly surprised if there is not more than one goal scored in this game, or if there's only one goal scored in this game is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, for more on that game, we spoke to uh, Jason Longshore, and we will talk to you after that interview. Hello, folks. We're here with Jason Longshore of Soccer Down Here and 92.9 The Game. 
Uh, he is joining us again, uh, joined us earlier in the season, uh, I believe back in week three, to preview the first Atlanta game, which was a 2-2 draw at the Matthew Sportsplex. So welcome to the show, Jason. Hey, thanks for having me again. You're our first repeat guest, I believe. Oh, yeah. very cool. So you get to be, have that honor. <laughs> I'll take that. Well, let's go ahead and just jump into it. I mean, basically our teams couldn't be going in different directions, although we had a slight hiccup in New York this past weekend. But uh, Atlanta's been struggling here lately. Is there anything boiling under the surface there, or is it just, just been a tough run of games? A lot of what, What's kind of the deal? You know, it's just one of those things where the second teams for the MLS teams, I think, approach things a little differently. And ATL UTD2 has, has been focused on you know, development, getting guys ready for first-team minutes, and, and we've seen so far this season a player like Miles Robinson, who was factoring in early on, is now making the game-day 18s for the first team, and that means you know Atlanta United, too, has been playing academy players at center back often, and it's great experience. It's great for the long term. It can be a little... You know, a little bumpy in the short term, and we're seeing some of that. The uh, the biggest thing that jumps out to me when I look at the numbers for Atlanta United 2 is they're struggling to get out to a hot start. And I, I think young teams can have that issue at times. You know, when Atlanta United 2 scores first, they're 2-0-1. When they concede first, they're 0-7-2. Mm. And, and that's really the story of the season. Yeah. <clears throat> Definitely an interesting stat line there for you. Um, do you think that uh, Atlanta's style of play maybe particularly is uh, is better suited at home by chance? Or, or is there any uh, factor in that coming back home that they'll uh, have a little bit of an advantage? I think it's just a comfort level at home. And, you know, this is – it kind of reminds me of, of last year for the first team in a lot of ways. Like they're focused so much on possession right now. And we've seen the first team now in year two – kind of play different ways at times where sometimes they concede possession to the opponent and they play more on the counter. But Atlanta United, too, is so focused on on possession. Uh, the numbers that came out from USL this week surprised me a little bit in that ATL UTD2 is second in the league in passes, third in the league in passing accuracy. And you look at that and you think, okay, well, they, they have to be you know very successful. And and that's really been the challenge is taking that possession and making it meaningful in the final third. Mm -hmm. And that part just hasn't really clicked yet for the, for, for the, the USL squad. Yeah. I noticed. Kinda, oh, go oh, ahead, Ben. Oh, that, uh, that kind of leads into a question I was curious on is, um, Joseph Samuel looks like he's, he's started a good bit of games for y'all, if I'm not mistaken, but the, the output hasn't necessarily been there with having just the one goal, and it looks like, oh, he's not even in the top 10 for, for chances created, it doesn't look like, for the team. So do you think he's the long-term solution there? Do you think he's going to be paired with somebody up top? Or how does that look like for the attack of Atlanta United 2? Yeah, I think he is the long-term solution. Uh, he's had some injury problems. He's only played seven matches this season, started six. After getting off to a pretty good start with a goal and an assist early, Injuries took him out of the lineup for a little bit longer than I think the club expected. So to me, the you know, what shows about where the club rates him is that he was called up on a on a short term contract 
for the first team in the Open Cup last week. He ended up not seeing the field, but the fact that he's rated that highly, I think, says that he will be getting time in USL this year and he'll be playing a good bit. It's just staying healthy. Gotcha. Makes a lot of sense. Did you have another question, Alex? I was just going to go more in the direction of, of recent form. I've noticed that Atlanta's scoreless in the last three and really and hasn't scored multiple goals since that 5-4 crazy game with Toronto uh, back on the 16th. Has it been just a case of, like you said, lineup juggling uh, that that can be attributed to, or is there something else going on there? Because it sounds like they're, yeah. pos- they're possessing the ball a lot, just not, like you said, being meaningful possession. Yeah, they're getting the possession. It's just not quite clicking. And they, they've tried some different faces at the number 10. We've seen Jose Carranza play there some. We've seen Laurent Kissiadu play there some. We've seen Chris Goslin play the 10 at times. Andrew Carlton's played the 10 as well, and now he's kind of back in the mix with the first team again. Mm-hmm. So when it's just constantly changing and you don't have that that point of reference like the first team does now, the first team, you see players come and go from the lineup, but the philosophy, the playing identity is all consistent, and it's been built for a year and a half. With this group of players, it's been built for a few months. So every little change in it, I think is more difficult to deal with. And it's just finding that right combination. Lately, Lagos Kunga has been injured with a a left ankle injury and he was very dangerous early on and missing him from this attack really hampers it in my opinion. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's, that's good to know. I know Charlotte kind of struggles with that at times when we go through droughts without scoring it, it, we haven't, we have a lot of the same problems with, we have a lot of possession, just not, the creativity or the final ball is just not there. So, uh, some, usually with us, it's not due to injury. It's due to stuff like, uh, impatience and stuff like that. But that's yeah, there hasn't that. been like a core creator in this team. And, you know, you look at the assist numbers and eight assists on 14 goals. That's not typical for Atlanta United. Generally you see lots of, you know, combination play and passes leading to goals. Yeah. And- lots of tap ins for the first team. Yeah, yeah, you see lots of buildup to get there. And and right now with the twos, it's just not clicking. Kunga leads the team with two assists. Uh, there's a number of other players with one. So you just haven't had that consistent creator, you know, creating chances for, for players. It just hasn't been there yet. Okay. One thing I was uh, curious on as well is, um, <clears throat> speaking of creators, this uh, I believe he leads the team on uh, chances created. Created uh, Jack Metcalf. Um, I did just notice he went out with an injury pretty early on in the game against uh, Indy Eleven. Um, any kind of an update on that injury? Was it a severe injury, a minor injury, or, or what's going on with him? He's listed as out for this one, uh, right groin injury, mm-hmm. and the fact that he. You know, he he came off without it wasn't a contact injury, you know, definitely uh, concerned everybody. But looking like it might not be a long term layoff, groin injuries can be tricky. They're they're always kind of hard to predict. Mm -hmm. But missing him will be a a huge one for ATL UTD, too, because, you know, Metcalf and A.J. Cochran are, are really the two veterans that bring that extra level of experience to a really young roster and Metcalf has been essential in possession. He's played right back. He's played as a, as a number six, as a number eight, 
know, he's kind of played all over the place for this team, filling in gaps wherever they're needed. And missing him will hurt tomorrow for sure. Uh, A.J. Cochran is back. He's been out with some injury problems, so he's back to hold down the back line, and I would assume he'll take the captain's armband from Metcalf. Yeah, Jack's uh, started every game and played every game, so that's a bummer that he's going to miss out. Yeah, I've been so impressed with Metcalf. Uh, just getting a chance to talk to him before matches, and he's been on our, our Soccer Down Here show, and he really just gets it, and he gets his role. And, you know, it's not like Jack's an older player by any stretch, but in this group, he's one of the veterans, and he's really taken on that leadership with, you know, academy players who've been called up or the homegrown players who are on the roster and, and really passing on that knowledge and that experience he's had in this league. That's great to hear because, you know, he's, he, he was originally uh, came, up, came up through Charlotte. So. Mm-hmm. And I think he was with us last season as, as like training only. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's, he's been around us. So I know a lot of the guys, uh, especially probably the staff, is, is probably still in touch with him a good bit. Yeah, he was a perfect pickup for this group. You know, they, they needed somebody like that who can play a few different positions but yeah. also just understands the role. Well, cool. That's good to hear. Uh, I have a question. It's more about the playing field. I haven't really been able to watch any games. Is the baseball layout similar to some of the other ones we've seen in USL, like where the diamond is fairly prominent on one side of the field? Yeah, it is. Uh, It's a little different than some venues where I think most seem to go down the first baseline. This one's going down the third baseline. Um, I think it's just the layout of the stadium for baseball mm-hmm. made it make more sense that way. I've been really impressed uh, with how well the field has held up. We've seen a couple matches with rain, and, and I was real concerned because we had a preseason match with the first team in Nashville, and and that field, it was a ton of rain. It was more oh, rain yeah, than we've seen I, here. I did watch that, that was, one where mm-hmm. there was the giant puddle. It was a puddle. slog. Yeah. Yeah, and it was all on that sod over the infield. So the times we've had rain, the field has held up really well. And, you know, outside of just a couple little spots where you can see the ridge, it really hasn't affected the play much at all. Well, that's that's good to hear. I assume the dimensions are a little bit narrow and, and uh, short. A little, yeah. It's uh, it's closer to Bobby Dodd Stadium last year that the first team played in, about uh-huh. seventy yards wide and and one ten long. Okay. It's it's definitely a bigger field from what I was able to tell at Yankee Stadium with NYCFC. That one. That stadium looks surprised tiny. If it's or that field seventy yeah. yards wide. That yeah, field looks it, tiny it, on TV. I didn't get a chance to get down on the field. We were there on Saturday, but uh, it feels more narrow and it feels shorter than mm-hmm. cool ray is because i know mm-hmm. louisville's feels like it's got to be even smaller than yankee stadium it, it's i mean there's a lot of the times at, at louisville you'll have a goal kick go into the other box like it, it's yeah it's wildly short surprised at cool ray to see how it's worked out um haven't noticed anything like that i think the length is a good 110 and and the width there's there's room to play it, okay it's smaller than you'd like right but there's still room to play with it it works well that's good to hear because it sounds like both teams have similar philosophies so it won't be like a ping pong game like it is sometimes in louisville and nashville yeah. got a little bit like that as well definitely not 
that's not how Atlanta wants to play. It's not how right. ATL UCD two wants to play. You know, Scott Donnelly works hand in hand with Tata Martino and, and Carlos Bocanegra, the technical director, and the philosophy is definitely consistent. And you know, from a result standpoint, that can get you in trouble sometimes because you have young players learning how to play a possession style and committing to it. So when teams press them, they're going to try to play through it and it can lead to mistakes and it can lead to goals given up. But for the long term, that's what Atlanta United wants to be as a club. Yeah. Well, we, we kind of ran into that last week against the Red Bulls. They have a philosophy that their yep. two team runs and they happen to run it really well on Saturday and it, it, it caught us by surprise, I think, a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see that matchup play out. Um, I have one other question about kind of the roster. I, I realized I, last episode I misspoke. I thought that the uh, World Cup break had already started for MLS, but it does not start until after all the games tomorrow. So it, the first team has a game tomorrow. Is right. that going to impact uh, team selection for the two side, you think? Yeah, it could. Um, there's also some injury issues as well with the first team that'll impact it. Uh, Greg Garza is out for probably the rest of the season. Oh, um, no, he might be sucks. back very late. So a lot of times we were seeing Mikey Ambrose mm -hmm. or Jose Hernandez on loan with Atlanta United too. And now Ambrose has stepped in playing a lot of minutes with the first team. Hernandez is coming back from injury and I think he'll factor into the first team as well. Not sure if both of them will travel with the first team for tomorrow or if one will stay back and play with the twos. You also have George Bellow, the young homegrown player who uh -huh. played really well in the first game with yeah, Charlotte. I was going to ask about um, that. He is likely playing with the academy right now because they're getting ready for the national playoffs. Okay. Uh, Bellow's oh. kind of on the, uh, the Andrew Carlton type of schedule yeah, that he's... he had last year. Okay where it's, you know, a lot of games with the youth national teams. He'll play with the academy as right. a, you know, a key player in the national playoffs, and he'll get a little bit of USL time. But the focus is on kind of the broad range of experience for him this year. So I'm not expecting to see him back with the twos probably until uh, maybe after the national playoffs end up. So it might be July. Okay. So, uh, and you said Andrew Carlton's kind of finding himself back with the first team more so than the second team right now. Yeah, he's bouncing back and forth. He he made the trip to New York. He didn't make the game day eighteen. Uh, he played significant minutes in the Open Cup, mm -hmm. and I would expect him to do the same next week, where Atlanta hosts Chicago in the round of sixteen. So, you know. The question for Tata Martino and Scott Donnelly is, do you want Carlton to get 90 minutes here on Wednesday against Charlotte and then maybe not play in the USL match on Saturday? Or do you want him to travel with the first team, maybe come off the bench, and then maybe play some minutes on that match on Saturday? What factors into it from a big picture standpoint with the first team is Miguel Almarone came uh -huh. out injured oh, okay. in New York. Uh Shoulder injuries, probably not a serious injury, but it might be too short of a turnaround to play in Columbus tomorrow night. Right. So Carlton's presence might actually be more needed with the first team, either as a potential starter or off the bench. Okay. Well, I, that's a bummer because that means we'd miss him twice. <laughs>
But that's yeah. he's yeah, I, really like he's grown a lot from his time playing yeah. in USL this year. You know, I've just seen a maturity from him, and it really came out in his goal. He scored against Charleston in the Open Cup. Yeah, that was a banger. He just took the space really decisively. That I think before he probably would have been a little hesitant to to take that space, and he did it without thinking this time. It was instinctive, and and that's what you want to see from him. Yeah, that's one thing I enjoy about you know, following the USL as a league is you get to see the, some of these players before they make the big time, so to speak. I know, uh, some, one of our, one of our fans was saying that I think just two or three years ago, Alex Bono was, you know, getting heckled at our little temporary stadium in Charlotte. And now he's playing for the men's national team and same thing with like Tyler Adams. So it's really cool to see these guys come through kind of the lower division and make a name for themselves. Oh, I love it. I love to see the the mix in the the lower divisions of younger players, older players, you know, and and see guys on the way up. I mean, you guys have a great mix of of some guys that, you know, I've seen around the the scene for a long time. Bilal Duckett is a, you know, Atlanta area guy. Yeah, he's having uh, a homecoming. Yeah, it's a great opportunity for him. Um Kevin George as well. Yeah. You know, he's a guy from Decatur. Yeah. And I've always been impressed with with his game. And, you know, you have those guys who've been around the second division for a while, but you've got some young players, too, who are starting to break through. Yeah, I'm excited about Sam Vines if the Rapids don't ruin him once he gets up with the first team. <laughs> there is that concern uh, right yeah. now. Wow. Hey, I'm just being honest. Yeah, that's, that's fair. They, they technically have uh, ownership rights of him. I think they've, they've claimed him with the, the homegrown status. Yeah, he's a homegrown for them, so he's he's locked in to like a multi-year contract <laughs> but mm. maybe he'll spend the majority of that time in charlotte and stay away from until they can get their uh act together yeah maybe he'll spend most of his playing time in charlotte for now until uh there's a regime change yeah and he's you know he's probably going to be in the starting lineup and go in 90 minutes like he has been we our other left back is injured has been for a while i think he's finally back in training but probably not not fit yet he hasn't made a game day right. 18 yet or made a appearance off the bench or anything. So I, if he is on the bench this week, he might, he might get a small cameo, but it'll probably be Sam Vines for the whole whole match. So that'll be one to watch for us if you're into development. Absolutely. I like seeing these young players, you know, kind of learn on the job. And you can see the, the progression. You know, a lot of times you see them the first time and, and you'll see some simple mistakes made. And, and hopefully the next time you see them, they're not making the same mistakes. Mm -hmm. mm. Absolutely. So, uh, ben, do you have any other questions? That's all of our, we did not get, those through all of our listener questions were uh, pretty much covered. Yeah. I've got uh, one question that we, we kind of touched base on last time, um, but it's a, regarding the, the goalkeeper position. Um, it, it looks like uh, Paul Christensen has played the, the last couple games here and there. And, um, Based on stats, he's had kind of an up and down season, but not too bad, all things considered. Um, do you think we'll probably see him come tomorrow night uh, playing between the pipes, or who do you think we'll probably see in the goalkeeper position? That's the hardest one to predict, to be honest, because the first team has three goalkeepers. You have Brad Kazan, mm -hmm. you have Alec Can, you have Mitch Hildebrandt. Then the second team has two goalkeepers, and Christensen, who was a fourth-round pick in the Super Draft, and Nico Caro, who I've been really Im impressed with, he's maybe had some of the rougher times in goal with uh, you know young defenses in front of him. But I, I like Caro. I like what he brings to the table. 
really any of those guys are possible. Um, mm. You know, one of Can or Hildebrandt will be with Gazan with the first team. The other one could play here, just not make the trip to Columbus, get a match, because you've got to keep Can and Hildebrandt sharp. Mm-hmm. And Alec has played a couple games in USL this season. Mitch has played one. Mitch is coming back from injury, so I'm kind of wondering if you turn to him, give him the game, and then you make a decision who plays in the Open Cup next Wednesday because Alec got that game last week. And I wonder if you might give Mitch that opportunity at Mercedes-Benz next Wednesday. So and I'm kind of leaning, who he's yeah. got some history with. Exactly. So I'm wondering if you want to yeah. turn to that. I'm kind of leaning towards one of Can or Hildebrandt to get the start tomorrow. Interesting. Oh, very interesting. Statistically, well, one thing they're definitely... the worst goalkeepers on the team, but that's probably down to sample size. <laughs> yeah, Mitch played well in his one game in USL. But, yeah, uh, Alec has really struggled. But yeah. again, yeah, it's it's really hit or miss as to what kind of lineup you have in front of you. Right. Gotcha. One uh, one other last thing that kind of just uh, popped in my head here is uh, is there a certain um, younger player that may get some playing time come this game that you, you we should look out for? Um, similar to the last game that we played, there was there was a couple uh, younger players that really stood out. But anybody particularly we may see uh, tomorrow night that we should uh, look out for? The two that I've been really impressed with that are on USL deals are Jose Carranza and Laurent Kissiadu. Uh, Kissiadu mm-hmm. scored two goals this season, and, and both of them were, were pretty spectacular. Uh, yeah, he had that one against Louisville that was... Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I, I saw that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a player. He's he's definitely raw, and I think you're still seeing him kind of figure things out and what he can and can't do. But I love that he has just this fearlessness in the attack, and he'll he'll take a shot from distance. He'll try to dribble two, three people. He'll he'll try stuff, and and I love that that hasn't been coached out of him yet. And he's in a system in a club that will definitely want that as part of his playing personality. Carranza has really surprised me because he came in with the thought of being a winger and at first he was coming off the bench and he was you know providing a good spark and actually creating a number of chances when he'd come off the bench in limited minutes and now he's gotten seven starts on the season and he's shown more versatility than I expected he's played as a 10 centrally he's played as an eight and I didn't know if he had the defensive chops to really handle that type of role and he's been very solid when he's had that opportunity so Carranza might actually be the guy who's produced the most chances so far with ATL UTD2. And I, I like his game a lot. And I'd love to see if maybe you can figure out a way while still having enough, you know, cover for it to get Carranza and Kissiadu together centrally. Mm. Interesting. Definitely a good input there that we may see some, some younger talent again. But, uh, well, that definitely does it for the, the questions I've got. Um, you got anything else there, Alex? No. Do we want to do predictions? Ooh, yes. Let's do predictions. Ooh, man. This team is so hard to predict. Yeah, um, well. It is pretty <laughs> much rolling the dice and seeing what comes up. Uh, I, I do think they're kind of due to break out and get some goals. You know, I, I feel like that's been coming. They had a little run there with the, the nice goal in Louisville the five goals against Toronto, Mm -hmm. two of those coming from free kicks from Mikey Ambrose. Uh, John Gallagher has been a little cold here lately. I think he'll get back into the mix. I think Gallagher is a guy that 
could see time in that Open Cup match as well because he's on a first-team deal. You do have that concern with the Open Cup. You only have five international spots, and Atlanta has nine in their first-team roster total. So it's kind of a, you know, mixing and matching and, and seeing what works. But this is an opportunity for Gallagher in two games in USL to show what he can do and, and kind of get back into form, scoring goals and, and push his way into that conversation. So I think it'll be similar to the last time these two teams played. I think there will be goals. I don't know if either one will will keep a clean sheet. So I'm kind of leaning to a 1-1 a draw, maybe 2-2, maybe like last time. But I think mm-hmm. these teams are pretty even. Yeah, I was going to say I'd be shocked if either team keeps a clean sheet. <laughs> Just the way I don't I can't remember when our last clean sheet. Well, that's not true. I can't remember. It was against Ottawa, but they didn't really try to score that too often. Yeah. Right. True. So, uh, all right. I think Yeah, I think I think 2-2. It I see this being kind of an up and down, very similar to how it was in Charlotte. Gotcha. I'm uh Something I did notice that I didn't actually mention before uh, on the show, but it does look like uh, there's been 20 goals scored in five games at uh, Cool Ray. Um, in both Atlanta has scored 10 goals and they've allowed 10 goals. So I think that'll kind of continue that trend. Um, it won't be a 5-4 victory or a 5-4 game <laughs> like before, um, but I'm going to say it's going to be 3-2 uh, for the independents. and be a ton of goals, uh, a ton of fun, and hopefully three points for the Jacks. Yeah, I think it'll be a, a really fun match. And, you know, I, I know Atlanta United fans will be keeping up with the first team that plays at the same time. Right. Um, but we'll also be, uh, hopefully, the the game is, is good and draws people in and go back and watch it on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, my buddy John Nelson will be on the play-by-play call. I'll be in Columbus with the first team, but... Jimmy Vance, our executive producer on the Atlanta United Radio Network, will be filling in for me on color. So they'll have your call on ESPN Plus tomorrow night. Cool. I'm sure there'll be an upgrade from what we had last week. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I think, well, we had the New York Red Bulls, uh, like, B team, I guess, because I think normally, at least last year, uh, David Gast, who works at MLS, does all yeah. the Red Bulls 2 games at home at least he did last year so and he's, he's done some this year because I've, I've heard him on multiple games okay yeah and he usually does a good job but uh he's at the world cup so we had the fill-ins and oh. they were they were not good <laughs> <laughs> well jimmy's had a couple games this year and and jimmy knows his stuff and john has been calling you know all sports for forever and he's my co-host on soccer down here so okay you're in good hands we're, tomorrow th- night. yeah we're, we'll be good, good then. to know <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, you, you're always a great guest. Get, get a lot of insight, so really appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. Um, just you know, invite me back. I appreciate it. All righty, take care, man. Y'all take care. Thank you. And we're back to wrap things up before we head out. Ben, do you have anything you'd like to add? Nothing particular, to be honest with you. All right. Uh, well, hopefully, yeah. everybody has a great day, and we'll see. Mm-hmm. All of you, I want to see everybody who listens to this at Jack's house at 7 p.m. Wednesday night. Can we do that? Is that doable? I think so. Because by the time Mm -hmm. this goes out, it'll be almost 10 o'clock Tuesday, 10 10 p.m. So 
probably won't get that many listens. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we're hedging our bets there a little bit. <laughs> but wherever you are, hope you're doing well. Come on, you jacks. Thank you.